Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Kate Woda. I'm pleased today to share a cell and gene therapy debate from the IO360 2020 Summit on the topic of intrinsic editing versus systemic combination. Participants included Dr. Mark O'Hara of UPenn and Dr. Saul Priceman of City of Hope. Dr. Eamon Shalaby of GSK moderated the debate. So um, I'd like to invite up our two debate debaters up, up to the stage. Now is, is uh, intrinsic editing versus combining cell therapies with off-the-shelf drugs. Um, and uh, we have a... We have a an, a pumped-up group here that's gonna that's gonna go after it. So, um, if we could, uh, from from the from the East Coast, uh, representing University of Pennsylvania, Mark O'Hara, and from the West Coast, representing uh, City of Hope Cancer Center, we have Dr. Saul Priceman. Big hand for Saul. So the format to this is going to be. Uh, Debate point of one minute each uh, for each person to make their claim, and and we have uh, you know we have Saul Priceman here is going to be representing off the shelf combinations, um, and uh, we have Mark O'Hara is going to be representing the intrinsic editing, um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to give them a little introductory a little uh, time to make their claim initially two minutes each. And uh, after that, we're just going to be firing away at uh, at point counterpoint. So we're gonna we're gonna let Mark uh, go first in terms of giving his view on on uh, intrinsic editing. Sure. Thank you, and and thank you, Eamon. Thank you to the organizers for inviting me, and thank you to my uh, esteemed colleague uh, who is willing to. Oh. Um, <clears throat> You know, today I think we've, we've heard throughout the day uh, in CAR T-cell therapy that it's, it's limited, especially when it comes to solid tumors, uh, for many reasons, antigen selection, trafficking, and then near and dear to my heart, the tumor microenvironment. I'm a medical oncologist uh, doing immunotherapy and pancreatic cancer, and if there's one uh, cancer where the tumor microenvironment is quite immunosuppressive, it's pancreatic cancer. And uh, I do immunotherapy, and I do CAR T-cell therapy in this group. And unfortunately, in the slides earlier today, several of the negative trials in solid tumors are trials that I've either been a part of or, or have led uh, at Penn over the years. Uh, but I think overall, when we look at it, and we both agree that we need to do something more than just CAR T-cells to make this uh, more effective. Checkpoint inhibition is definitely something that's quite possible. I agree with that point. Uh, but we're, now we have technology where we can edit the genes, edit, edit the cells so they don't have to actually express the checkpoints. And when, when you look at it, it's, it's quite easy. You know, when you actually target these checkpoints within the, the CAR T cell, um, you're going to be having, number one, improved toxicity. You know, you're hitting the cells that actually the checkpoints matter. You're not going to hit this whole systemic uh, effect, and so you're not going to have all the side effects of, of the checkpoint inhibitors. You're going to have improved cost because we're not going to have to give repeated checkpoint inhibition over time. You're going to have a, a improved adaptation. You know, we're, talking, we're going to talk mainly can modify the CAR T cells in many different ways to actually hit certain specific programs uh, that may be specific to each tumor. And we're going to have improved patient preference, potentially patient outcomes, but patient preference. They come in for a one-time infusion of a CAR T cell, not repeated infusions every two, three, four weeks. And so I think overall the debate's quite easy. We can just end it here and go to the bar if you'd like. Ooh. Harsh. I'll give you seven extra seconds. <laughs> I'll need it. Uh, so, 
Uh, I'm Solomon, assistant professor at City of Hope in the Department of Hematology. Um, as many of you may know, City of Hope has deep roots in immunotherapy. We started 40 plus years ago doing bone marrow therapy for, for leukemia lymphoma patients. Um, more recently, over the last couple of decades, we've really gone into the engineering cell therapy space, and particularly in CAR T cells. We may have been actually the first institute to deliver CAR T cells to a solid tumor patient and have had tremendous experience developing CAR T cell strategies for hematological malignancies. Uh, we currently have a multitude of trials in the heme uh, malignancy space treating ALL, uh, lymphomas of various types, uh, AML, uh, which is a very difficult to treat as with all of them, and multiple myeloma. Um, and we take pride in that. We've also faced the challenges, as you've seen today in tumor uh, um, therapeutic space, both for CAR T cells, TCR, TILs, and other immunotherapies face mul uh, multiple challenges in that space. Um, my lab in particular have, has taken on that challenge um, and a huge unmet need in developing therapies, particularly CAR T cells for solid tumor malignancies. Um, we have two trials now. Uh, we opened up most recently piggybacking on what we did in solid tumors in the past and what we currently are doing. Um, but in my lab, we translated those findings in, in brain tumors and started a trial treating breast cancer patients who have had metastatic disease traffic to the brain. Um, and we're treating by intraventricular route along with uh, local route of delivery. So bypassing one of the critical issues uh, Dr. O'Hara brought up. Uh, which is trafficking. Oh my God, I'm out of time. So today, for the purpose of uh, battling uh, my esteemed colleague, I'm going to take the side of combination therapies over uh, genetic engineering, and I think that I'll make my case very strong. All right, uh, so you're going, is, you're going over your time oh, here. Sorry, this is getting unfair. Right. He gave you seven seconds, too. <laughs> so, um, um, thank you, Look, so it, I, I love all this, all this talk, but really, um, where is the field of combinations now, and, and, and where do you think we're headed? Yeah, so um, as with any therapeutic modality, including cell therapy or any biologic small molecule, we're reasoning now that we need to be in combination therapies. It's a forward-looking statement. There are limitations to any single therapy. Uh, I'll highlight three key advantages that exist um, that will blow away uh, intrinsic uh, uh, developing uh, genetic uh, engineering for T-cells um, and and sway you into looking at combination therapies, that being uh, the, the low barrier of developing and going through, the, um, particularly in a setting where the second agent is FDA approved or has had some clinical experience as a lower barrier. Conditional sequencing and dosing we can tailor in a combination approach, and you are very limited uh, in, in intrinsic modifications um, where you're fixed. Um, and so I'll leave it there with, with that, with Mark. So, you know, I, I, I agree. There are some intrinsic uh, things within combinations of checkpoint inhibitors with CAR T cells that, that could be uh, quite attractive. But I think what we're looking at is sort of looking in the short term right now. You say that we, we uh, have a low barrier to get into clinical trials because we have development of these agents um, already clinically, but we actually both are, are limited a little clinical experience right now of either modality. And I think we're relying on sort of small cases or small case reports in terms of uh, balancing it. Um, I think looking at the long term, we have a little bit more in terms of uh, ability to, to adapt, as I mentioned in my opening statement. You know, right now we're going to be talking about PD-1 inhibition, but we could look at sort of TGF-beta double knockouts, which are actually already in, uh, moving toward clinical practice or in clinical practice right now. We could look at knocking out FAST. 
uh, and, and, you know, adopting the, the attacking the apoptotic pathway within CAR T cells, and, and then as we'll hear, which is an obvious target. You know, I think this is uh, a flat tie. I, <laughs> I don't see either one of you really taking the lead here yet, so uh, I, uh, I need more hard evidence. Uh, tell, tell, give, give this audience a reason to believe. What, yeah. what data's out there? Yeah, and, and as I just uh, alluded to, there's, there's very limited clinical data. I'm not going to pretend like we actually, that I'm actually a winner of this debate. In, in reality, there is no winner. We need to evaluate both, uh, both concepts further. Uh, but in reality, um, you know, we, there's a lot of preclinical work being done right now looking at PD-1 knockouts of CAR T-cells or TCRs. Um, and it's, it's showing time and time again some efficacy. But until we actually get into the clinic, we won't really know which of it is truly effective. We heard here uh, just yesterday from, from Carl June uh, the, the NYESO TCR uh, with a knockout of PD-1. And, and there's at least the start of some clinical uh, trial evidence. There's some clinical trial evidence uh, looking at just uh, um, cytotoxic T cells, uh, knockout PD-1, and, and non-small cell lung cancer. But beyond that, unfortunately, we're a little limited. And luckily, there are several clinical trials, actually many clinical trials being done right now, uh, evaluating these, uh, these knockout cars. I'm going for the jugular, because <laughs> he has a good-looking beard, but really, and I agree with him, it's dependent, it's context-dependent, it's disease-dependent, and, and a lot of uh, key situational drivers will drive whether you use his approach or mine. Uh, multiple examples. UPenn was likely the first to, to um, combine checkpoint inhibitors with CD19 CAR T-cells. Baylor has also reported last year at AACR uh, HER2 CAR T-cells for sarcoma in combination with checkpoint and had a very nice response in a patient. Um, ibrutinib has been used at his... Uh, uh, institute combining with CD19 cars for CLL. This was um, given at ASCO last year. We at City of Hope has combi have combined IL-13 receptor alpha-2 CAR T-cells for GBM and now opened a trial with uh, IPI and NEVO combina combination. Uh, we learned about a MAJ4 uh, uh, therapy that was combined um, with radiation and achieved a PR. And that, that brings us to multiple preclinical studies that have used oncolytic viruses, radiation therapy, checkpoints, and others in combination uh, to improve the cell therapy. So I could also say the most exa important example is preconditioning lymphodepletion, which has been critical for CD19 CAR uh, therapies. Counter, counterpoint? Uh, I mean, I, it's, it's true. There's a lot more clinical, more case reports, more than anything in terms of checkpoint inhibition, because that's been around. Uh, you know, I think what we're looking right now is just sort of saying that was available when we did CAR T-cell therapy. So we followed up with PD-1 inhibition. We saw that at Penn. I've, I saw the patients with lymphoma that received it. Overall, when we're looking at it, we, we have that experience, and now we want to build on it. And we have the ability to knock out PD-1 within a CAR T-cell, and so it's a way to move forward yep. uh, from what we've learned with checkpoint inhibition. So really limited clinical data on, on both sides that have been published, yeah? Yeah, yeah coming, coming too. I mean, I, I, I disagree to agree, I think, uh, in this case. I actually like those points. It's a short-term versus a long-term goal, as Mark has, has stated. Um, and so I think it depends on a number of factors. Um, but as we approach improving CARs and TCRs now, uh, the clear picture is combining with, with already existing therapies from um, understanding which ones of those improve those cell therapies and then building it in intrinsically into one IND has a lot of uh, utility. All right, so we're going to switch back to you, Saul, for the, for the next question. And uh, it's still a big question mark if, uh, if sequencing makes a difference or not in, in this area. 
I'd like to hear your, your perspective and then, and then Mark share, share yours. Yeah, so again, I'll start with saying, um, you know, in the context of CAR T-cell therapy, it was pretty clear lymphodepleting chemotherapy was critical for heme malignancies. I think the, the jury is still out whether it's required for solid tumors, um, although we're investigating it at City of Hope and a number of other institutes that have started with CAR therapy, re, you know, reevaluating those therapies in the context of lymphodepletion. And, and that's a sequencing thing. We're trying to get a response from the, the chemotherapy and then follow it up with the CAR T-cell. But even with checkpoint inhibitors, there are some studies, and, and he will argue that, that uh, you know, it's one way or another. But the fact is it's controversial. There have been um, studies that have shown that blocking PD-1 early actually hampers the activation of the memory response of T-cells, um, and so sequencing there will be critical. You can achieve that likely more readily in combination therapies with existing checkpoints than you can building it into the car where you're pretty limited to having it there from the start, and it's always there. Mark? You do a knockout PD-1 that you can't necessarily sequence it. It starts off with a, with a knockout, but you have to look at the preclinical data that's showing that knocking it out actually shows that it's, there's increased efficacy within uh, tumors in, in many of the preclinical work. Some of the preclinical work, some of the models do show that it actually is not all that effective, probably targeting uh, the sequencing approach that you're looking at. See, he uh, agreed. I'm going to move closer. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, overall, we could also look at different modalities sort of down the road, not just sort of completely doing uh, other processes of just sort of just dampening PD-1 or maybe using some, uh, some approaches to sort of maybe giving some PD-1 knockouts, some non-PD-1 knockouts and sort of adapting. If we find out that sequencing would matter, and I think we're going to get that answer by using it with checkpoint inhibition. So I will agree with some point there. Great. Okay. So last question. Um, you got, you're both about the same size. Um, I won't comment on your beards, but you're, you're both about the same. But uh, the, question, the question is around speed. I don't know which one of you are faster. Um, but I, I'd like to hear, Mark, you're, you're, you, maybe you can start with this question. Can you get into the studies quicker? Clinical development, yep. speed to clinical speed. trials. And yep. I think overall, the, you know, he'd argue that we've got PD-1 inhibitors, uh, checkpoint inhibitors that are on the market so easily to, easy to combine. The thing that we're, over, we're not looking at is actually sometimes what slows this process of getting to a clinical trial is actually getting that contract involved with the two companies that are going to be necessary to actually move that forward in clinical trials. Whereas if you're just a, you're focusing on one product, you got one company, you got one institution that's working on it doing the knockout, it might be easier from that perspective. That being said, there's a whole bunch of regulatory hurdles with that. You have to do some more um, specificity work on the CRISPR-Cas9 system, make sure you're having a, a specific knockout. There's a lot of different hurdles. I think actually at this point, looking at the fact that we actually don't have a lot of clinical evidence right now, uh, the, both of us get to get to the practice, uh, get to the clinic sooner. I think we're probably going to see it develop in parallel. Yeah, so for the sake of this debate, I'm arguing combinations, but my lab, you know, half of my lab focuses tremendously on building in intrinsic um, platforms into the car. And the reason is, is because if you're going through the regulatory hurdles of submitting an IND package, you might as well build in everything into one approach. You're going to get kicked back by the FDA, and we have a FDA colleagues here um, that would that would challenge that. And, and But, you know, the end result is they're likely on your side. They want to see these therapies progress to the clinic. They want to see an impact. And so we've moved car T-cell, especially a single targeted T-cell, I'd argue a lot of these talks earlier, even if they potently work, 
they're going to have recurrences in an antigen-independent manner or some other mechanism that's, um, uh, that will hamper the single um, targeted domain on the, on the T-cell. And so we have to get there. There are CAR T-cell trials that we and UPenn have started where they're single-targeted CARs. They've gone into the clinic. They've done a dose or two doses. They've shown safety. The next step is immediately to put a checkpoint in, in combination. That's an easier bar than to put a new IND there with now an intrinsic uh, engineering platform. Okay, so we're running, we're running a little short on time. I'm going to ask you uh, to take a claim, uh, starting, starting with you, uh, Mark, is you know, what's, what's, what's best for patients and, uh, and your closing arguments? You get uh, two minutes, please. Two okay, minutes. So combine, combine that question with the closing arguments, and I think actually it's a perfect way to close the argument because in reality we're doing all of this uh, for patients. And as I sort of started off with, I said that this modality of actually intrinsically modifying the CAR T cell is going to be safer. We're going to have fewer side effects uh, because you're not giving a drug that's going to target PD-1 on multiple different tumor tissues or on multiple different uh, immune cells throughout the body. Those you're going to have less overlapping toxicity. You know, these CAR T cells, some of the targets that we're using, myself included, I use mesothelin, various different tissues, the same inflammation can occur with a PD-1 inhibitor as well. So you're going to have less uh, potential for toxicity if you're just attacking just the CAR T cell. I said uh, in the beginning also that the, uh, the, the cost is going to be decreased. Now, I mean, we're both using CAR T cells. We know that the cost is sort of exorbitant at this time. We've, we've talked multiple times today that we need to bring those costs down, and I think we're working on moving that forward. But you also don't have to pay the $10,000 a month or more uh, for a checkpoint inhibition uh, if you're just getting a one-time infusion. That one-time infusion, patients are going to like it so much better to get the one time, I think. I mean, I, there's a counterpoint to that is it's nice for patients to actually know that they're getting something to control their cancer, and so there's, there's a psyche thing. But if you control their cancer, and, and we really hope that these CAR T-cell uh, therapies, you know, I'm, I'm focused on definitely rationale and, and definite uh, future of these CAR T-cells and solid tumors, if they are effective, uh, you know, they, the one-time dose is going to be much preferred than coming into clinic every three, four, weeks for, for their infusion of checkpoint emissions. So overall, I think uh, this is looking, again, short-term, long-term, long-term, I think this is going to be better for patients. Thank you. So? I vehemently disagree. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a short-term, long-term thing, exactly what uh, Mark stated. Um, I was just thinking as he was talking, like if you, I'm a purist, so if you have uh, the, the most potent selective therapy, you're one and done in 28 days, maybe 60 days. You don't need to come back with anything else. So um, if the CAR T cell needs to work more potently at the tumor site and you need a checkpoint inhibitor, you're done. You're done in a month or two. You should get a curative response. And so the way that we're, we're and you know, you're a clinician, so I'm, I'm a purist. If you develop a multi-targeted approach um, that balances it with some block of immune suppressive pathways in the solid tumor that, that allow the T cell to work more effectively. Um, you're, again, you're done in a month or two. I don't think these therapies need to last very long. Um, you know, cell therapies are amazing. If you look at CD19 cars, it's day 28, and there are some predictive pathways, that, uh, predictive mechanisms that can tell you whether there'll be a recurrence, but they're probably not going to hold true in the solid tumor domain. Um, and so, uh, you know, I don't know what else I wrote, but I think uh, you know it's a, it's a, it's an amazing field we're in. I'll I'll end it on something we can. Well, we're agreeing on everything because we both are developing similar patterns. You know, it's a wonderful field that we're all in. I think um, we're all in the lab working hard at building new therapies. We're able to take them to the clinic and test them. Um, and if there's utility, we have all these beautiful commercial entities that are willing to bring them forward as fast as possible, and that is for the benefit of the patient. 
Um, and we've seen cell therapies move much more quickly through that that uh, evolution than we have in the past with so- with small molecules and, and uh, biologics. So it's an it's an exciting field. Great, thank you. Now give these guys a big hand, a round of applause. Thank you very much. But don't 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 leave the podium yet because we have the toughest question uh, of all. So uh, maybe if you slide, this is uh, the hardest part of of, uh, of the question. So the CDC put out uh, uh, this uh, diagram about which type of respirators uh, match your facial hairstyle. So. Um, we're not going to debate this right now, but um, this is this is probably something that you need to solve for <laughs> afterwards of who has the nicest beard. But thank you very much, guys. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Amy. I hope you enjoyed the podcast from the IO 360 2020 conference. The next IO 360 meeting will take place virtually February 23rd through 26, 2021. For more information, visit www.io360summit.com.